Hi brothers and sisters, this is Tina again. Today I have a special topic for you. Topic today is a very good topic. It's about um, who is Jesus? You know, who is the Son of Man? So let's get started. Uh, there's about a verse I want to share with you, kind of talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Uh, Matthew 16, 13, all the way to 17. It says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So the key point is, we can look in this Bible verse, that many people did not recognize Jesus. Jesus, he asked who he, the Son of Man, is, right? And we can see that everybody answered, that they thought he was a prophet, or did... Um, he was Elijah, Elias, or he was John the Baptist. Um, so we can see that mankind, because God became flesh, was very um, confused at that time, thinking he was just a normal, ordinary man. And so it's very important that we understand who is Jesus, right? And there's another Bible verse I'm going to share with you, too, showing that... Um, as mankind, sometimes we tend to hear what we want to hear. And in this Bible verse, it kind of reveals this. It's um, Luke twenty-two sixty-nine to 71. It says, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, what need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. So this Bible verse, Jesus reveals that he is the, he says, the son of man shall sit on the right hand of the power of God. He never said he was the son of God, right? But they were trying to condemn Jesus for blasphemy. And so when he said that, they said, well, we've heard it of his own mouth, right? Because he said, you say that I am. They asked him, are you the son of God? And he says, well, you say that I am. Jesus never said such thing. And then they said, well, we've heard it of his own mouth. So they were, they were trying to condemn him the whole time. But the thing is, you know, he reveals to himself as the Son of Man. And these are very important to understand what is the Son of Man. Um, so there's some other Bible verse, too, I can share with you. Like in um, Matthew 12.8, uh, it says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Also, when um, Judas betrayed Lord Jesus, he says, uh, Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Hmm. Yep. Also in Mark 2, 10-11, says, but, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Many different instances of Lord Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man. 
And so this is key point of thinking about um, understanding who Lord Jesus is, because it's very important to understand that. And we're going to look at um, a little bit about um, what is the meaning of the Son of Man. When we think about a Son of Man, right? Um, the Son of Man is someone that's born from a human. So we look at um, passage I want to read. <clears throat> it says, The Son of Man means that someone who is born of man and who possesses normal humanity. The Lord Jesus was the Son of Man, the incarnation of God. So, when the Lord Jesus said he would return again as the Son of Man, <clears throat> he meant that he would come again in a physical body as the Son of Man. So we think about the phrase the Son of Man, it refers to one who is born to a human and has normal humanity. So the Spirit cannot be called the Son of Man. The Spirit is not born from a human. For instance, we look at Jehovah God, Jehovah God is Spirit. He cannot be called the Son of Man. Um, angels, angels are spiritual beings. They cannot be called the Son of Man. Just like in the days of Lot, there was two angels who were sent in that city, right? And Lot could eat with them, the people in the city could see them, because Lot was willing to give his two daughters in exchange for the safety of these two men. But they were angels that transformed to look human. But they were not born of man, so they cannot be called the Son of Man. But Christ, Christ was different, right? The incarnate Lord Jesus was the Son of Man in his Christ because he was the incarnate flesh of God's Spirit and became an ordinary and normal man living in the company of other men. So this is very important that we understand the significance of that. And that's one of the reasons Lord Jesus was crucified because he's an ordinary and normal Son of Man. And if you look at like the title of the Son of Man, um, Son of Man is a title of humanity. Other titles for Christ such as Son of God are overt in their focus on his deity. And this came from Google, um, in a sense. So with the Son of Man, if you look at Ezekiel, he is called the Son of Man 93 times. So God was calling Ezekiel a human being, right? So Son of Man is simply a, um, it's a term for a human. So Jesus was, he was truly a human and he came in the flesh, right? Um, so <clears throat> Jesus was born of man. He had normal humanity and he also had complete divinity. Um, when he says that coming of the Son of Man, it's, it's an important statement that um, when he comes in the last days too. And if you look at like in the dictionary, if you look up incarnation, incarnation means the union of divinity with humanity in Jesus Christ. So Christ not only has a normal humanity, but he also has complete divinity. And if you look up the definition of Son of Man in the dictionary also, <laughs> it means a human being. Often capitalized as uh, God's Messiah destined to reside over the final judgment of humankind. So, and we think of um, understanding that it's very important. So we'll look at what does incarnation mean? Um, incarnation, it means that God's spirit becomes a flesh. That is, God becomes flesh. The work that the flesh does is the work of the spirit, which is realized in the flesh, expressed by the flesh. No one except God's flesh can fulfill the ministry of the incarnate God. That is, only God's incarnate flesh 
this normal humanity and no one else can express the divine work. And that's why Jesus was able to represent God because he was God in flesh. So incarnation is, um, you know, meaning that the work that the flesh does is the work that the spirit wants to do. Just like when Jesus came to redeem mankind, the spirit could not be nailed to a cross. So God had to come and be become flesh so he could be nailed to the cross, right? And this is one of the reasons that he did this. So God's spirit inside of a flesh so he can come amongst man, he can be a normal human being and do the work he needs to do. Um, so we look at um, the incarnation as God's spirit clothed in a flesh. God's spirit is materialized in the flesh with normal humanity and normal human thinking and thereby becomes an ordinary and normal person working and speaking among man. So this flesh has not only normal humanity but also has complete divinity. Um, he can take on God's work. He can express the voice of God and he can guide and save humanity. Like Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. So he has, that's his divinity. When we think about Jesus' humanity, um, he was able to, he had to eat, you know, he, he, when he got cold, he had to put a jacket on. He had normal human emotions. He could, you know, he cried when Lazarus died. He could, he could laugh, <laughs> he drank wine, he could dance, you know, he could do normal things that humans do. But he can also do things that humans cannot do. He could heal the sick, he could cast out demons, he could walk on water, he could calm the wind and the sea, he could turn water into wine. So there's many things that he could do and that was the divinity that was doing the work, that was the spirit that allowed the humanity to do the work. So it looked like a normal human being doing the work. So we need to understand this. Of why was Jesus nailed to a cross? Because from his outward appearance, Christ is an ordinary and normal son of man, but he's substantially different from us created human beings. Created man only has humanity. He doesn't have even the slightest trace of divine substance. Christ, however, not only has normal humanity, more importantly, he has complete divinity. So he has God's substance. He can represent God entirely, express all truths of God himself, express God's disposition, and all that God has and is, and endow us with the truth, the way, and the life. No human being is capable of such feats, right? So the implication of God's incarnation is that God lives and works in the flesh. God, in his very essence, becomes flesh, becomes a man. Good examples of this in the Bible verses is a good Bible verse in um, it's John 14, 9 through 11 when Jesus or Jesus was talking to Philip or Philip was talking to Jesus, both one and the same. And, um, and Philip was like asking him, show us the Father. And so it says, Jesus said to him, have I been so long time with you and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you then, show us the Father? Believe you not that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father 
and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very word's sake. So he was telling Philip, right? Philip's looking at him. He's telling Philip, Philip, don't pay attention to my appearance. You know, pay attention. The words that I speak to you are not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. So he's saying, pay attention to the substance, the words. Or if you don't believe by the words, pay attention to the work. That's the Father. That's the divinity at work. So we understand that it's pretty cool. Also in John 10.30, it says, I and my Father are one. Normal humanity, complete divinity, right? 100% man, 100% God. Also, we look at John 8.58. This is Jesus saying, Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. So how can that be possible, right? He's talking about the spirit. The spirit. Before Abraham was, I was born. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the difference in the resurrected spiritual body and Jesus when he lived on the earth. Because we think about Jesus when he lived on the earth. He was born of man, right? He was born of Mary. So he had the normal humanity. And we think of um, Jesus coming in the spiritual body. The spiritual body, you have to have like the flesh first, right? So the spiritual body is the image of the Son of Man. It appears in the same image. So if God would have never became flesh. There would be no image of the Son of Man, right? So look at the traits of the spiritual body compared to the flesh body. So let me read this. Um, so we're all clear on this matter. On the surface, the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus after he resurrected appears in the same image of his incarnate flesh. But the spiritual body is not constrained by the material world, space, and place. It can appear and disappear at will, leaving man shocked and amazed. Accounts of this are recorded in the Bible. Before the Lord Jesus was crucified, he had been speaking and working in humanity of the flesh. Whether he was expressing the truth, interacting with men, or performing miracles, men felt he was normal every day, right, in every way. What men saw was his flesh that really and was truly really in doing the work and was suffering torment and paying the price. So when Jesus died on that cross, he felt that pain. You know, he bled just like a normal human being. Um, so in the end, it was this flesh that was nailed to the cross as a sin offering for man, thereby completing God's work of redemption. This is a widely acknowledged fact. Just, if we think for a moment, if it were the Lord Jesus' spiritual body doing the work, would he be able to associate and hold normal conversations with men without them being in fear, right? Um, could he really and truly suffer torments and pay the price? Does a spirit suffer? Um, um, so we think about that. Um, could he be nailed to the cross? Can you nail a spirit to the cross? No, right? You can't constrain it, right? It's Jesus' spiritual body was different than his flesh body. The spiritual body could appear and disappear at will. So if it can appear and disappear at will, there's no way to constrain it, nail it to a cross. So he could, uh, you know, he could not, that you, none of those things could be done. Um, he could do none of those things. So if it were his spiritual body doing the work, men couldn't interact with him easily. And also, 
would men betray their corrupt dispositions? No. Would they form conceptions about him? No. Would they dare rebel against and judge God at will? No. That would be impossible, right? That would be impossible. There's a little thing I want to share with you, um, the definition of image. Let me find it real quick. So if you look at image, we look at the image, the spiritual body being the image of the Son of Man. Image means a visual representation of something, right? And if you look at a spirit, a spirit is a supernatural being or essence. So a spirit is different. The flesh, flesh is normal humanity. So being born of a human, we are of substance, right? We, <laughs> we can't appear and disappear at will like Lord Jesus could. Also, we think about the spiritual body. Can the spiritual body suffer? Does it suffer pain? No, right? Can the spiritual body be nailed to the cross? No, right? So we look at um, Jesus also. Um, Jesus, there's a Bible verse that shows Jesus can appear and disappear at will. It's in John 20, 26. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Right? So it shows Jesus is not constrained. He can go through doors. He can go through walls. He can appear and disappear. Also, um, the spiritual body is not as approachable as the flesh. Men were in fear of the spiritual body. And there's a Bible verse I can share with you on that too. Um, Luke 24:36. It says, And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the middle of them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Were they like that when Jesus lived in the flesh? Were they terrified and affrighted? If they were, they wouldn't have nailed him to a cross, right? So Jesus was an ordinary and normal human being when he lived in the flesh. So the spiritual body and um, the flesh body, they're different. They're different in substance. One is flesh, one is son of man. The other is spirit. It's the image of the son of man. So we need to understand that and be kind of clear on that. Um, so next time we're going to talk about how will the Lord come back, right? <laughs> That'll be a good topic. Um, I think this topic is a very important topic to go over so we understand the meaning of the son of man. Because Christ is a son of man. And also, is only Jesus a son of man? There's another key point I want to share with you about a son of man. Let me find it. Um, all right, here we go. If we look at who else is son of man, Jesus was son of man. But also, in Psalms 33, 13 to 14, it says, The Lord looks from heaven, and he sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So we're a son of man too, right? But the difference is the divinity. We don't have the divinity. There's another Bible verse in Psalms 14, 2-3. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So there's a lot of these... Um, Bible verses um, that reveal that Christ is the normal son of man and we are also. So the difference in 
Christ and the difference in us is Christ has normal humanity and complete divinity. Christ can never be corrupted by Satan. We, on the other hand, we have normal humanity and that's it. We can be corrupted by Satan. So we look at when God did his work in the Old Testament, Jehovah God, Jehovah God was spirit, right? Jehovah God cannot be called the son of man. And so Jehovah God was just complete divinity, right? So it's good that we understand these things so we can prepare for thinking about the prophecies of how will the Lord return in the last days. So that's what we're going to talk about next time, actually. So hope to see you next time, and I hope you like the topic today. And um, I'd like to ask another question. I have a question at the very end that I always ask a question. The question today is, let me think, um, what question I want to ask today. The question is, what is your favorite fruit? Mine, I don't know if it's a fruit, but um, watermelon. <laughs> I like watermelon. Um, and I can tell you a little trick. I ran into this, like, um, you know, that little commercial they used to have, like, someone dropped their chocolate into my peanut butter and Reese came about. Well, one day I had some whipped cream and I was like, you know what? And I had some watermelon at the same time. And I thought, well, let me try this on the watermelon. So whipped cream and watermelon, mm, really good. You should try it. So yeah, so that's all I have for you today. Um, so hopefully we can see you next time. And God bless you. Bye.